inspiration dwells here And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them They be like, I only went to school with them So, this is the first episode of our podcast Watch the levels Uh <laughs> Still trying to get used to this. <laughs> um, the level of your voice was so intense when you told us to watch our level. I just spit out my credit. I'll cut out. I'll cut out this part. I'll cut. I'll cut this part out. All right. This is a podcast where we talk about different issues around race and religion and a bunch of adjacent things. We all happen to be members of the same compassion team of Circle of Hope, Circle Mobilizing Because Black Lives Matter. Uh, my name is Andrew Lee Young. I'm a disability advocate by day, and I am involved in a lot of in a bunch of other different things, including the Circle Mobilizing Team and the South Philly Defense Hub. And I prefer he/him pronouns. Do we want to go around? Sure. I am Bethany Stewart. I work as an employment specialist um, for young adults during the day, uh, specifically young adults that are formerly homeless. Maybe they aged out of the foster care system or the juvenile defense system. And I do a lot of other things like circle mobilizing because Black Lives Matter, BLM Philly, Black Lives Matter Philly, um, the South Philadelphia Participatory Defense Hub, as well as the Philadelphia Community Bail Fund. And I use she, her pronouns. I'm Chris Eden. Um, By day, I work for a university here in Philly um, in work that's unrelated to the things that I'm most passionate about. Um, And in particular, I lead and facilitate for the South Philly Participatory Defense Hub, which has come up a couple of times, um, doing work with people who have opened criminal cases um, to help them get better outcomes in court. My pronouns are he, him, and this is the first time I've had cranberry moscato. Mm. It's delicious. Me too. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's an, it's an, I'm embarrassed to say how good it actually is. It's delicious. It's alcoholic Kool-Aid, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so we were kicking around a bunch of different topics that we could discuss for our first episode, and I think the one that we settled on was the question of... Bethany, you posted an interesting article and then asked a bunch of your friends on Facebook whether they were comfortable with the term person of color. And we got a bunch of different interesting responses to that. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I have always had some sort of hesitation um, with using the term person of color um, because I oftentimes feel like it's a way of erasing blackness or not using the dirty word black. I feel like it's oftentimes um, almost like a substitute for black um, as opposed to saying like damn or somebody would say dang. I feel like people say person of color instead of black. Um, In an article, I can't remember the title of the article or who published it, but um, the article said something The title was something to the effect of, let's stop using uh, the word person of color when you really mean black, Um, that the term person of color erases blackness. Mm. And I wholeheartedly agreed with the article and reposted it. And one of my friends reposted it, a white woman reposted it on her page and a Filipina woman commented that she didn't agree with the article, that she felt like there was every reason in the world to keep using the term person of color. And it made me think, 
oh, maybe that's just a big deal for black people. Maybe we're the only ones um, mm-hmm. that don't like that term. So I posted a poll because Facebook lets you do that now. And I asked black folks how they felt about being described as a person of color Mm -hmm. instead of black. And I believe out of 30 um, black people that commented, 25 said they did not like having that term used for them. And I asked non-black people of color to... uh, fill out the poll and that didn't work out very well because a bunch of black people commented (laughs) instead of non-black people of color. Um, But out of about, I would say seven non-black persons of color, all of them were okay with the term, dependent Hmm. upon the situation. Yeah, so I am a black woman. I prefer, like I said, I prefer being called a black woman, especially if I'm in a room with other black folks. Andrew, do you? I'm an Asian uh, cisgendered man, uh, and I, I'm one of the. I think I'm one of your seven non-black, non-white friends that posted that responded to that poll. Uh, okay, I find your poll. Okay, non-black people of color. Are you comfortable with the term "people of color" being used to describe you? So this is this is weighted because some of your black friends weighed in on the poll. Yeah, uh, <laughs> messed up the results. And the other one, the other poll was overwhelmingly no. I the the feeling that I'm getting, the sense that I'm getting, is that there's kind of a feeling of erasure yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah like i said earlier i feel like it's almost like a cop-out for white people uh-huh. instead of really honoring the differences um and the uh, the different effects that white supremacy has on different people of color and i'm using it specifically because i'm talking about um multiple races here mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's a cop-out just oh, well, all people of color deal with racism. I don't really have to honor and respect and really understand the nuance of the way racism affects black folks or the way racism affects um, Latinx folks or Asian folks, just people of color and racism, bet. It feels like a super cop out. Uh, I mean, I think that's... Well, what what did you say on the poll, Andrew? Well, I said that I was comfortable with it because I think for non black people of color uh, it's it's a it's a way <clears throat> of including other people who aren't white and aren't black into the conversation and acknowledging mm-hmm. that they too are affected by racism i think the conversation the, the i think the way that i see it and a lot of other uh, non-black poc see it is that so much of the conversation in the united states is literally black and white mm-hmm. there's this kind of binary where either your experience of race is the black experience or your experience of race is the white experience um, and I think if you equate the term person of color with the term black because you you have this idea that race is only one or the other, I can see why you would think that that term kind of homogenizes everybody. Mm-hmm. There was a comment on your poll which I thought was interesting, which was that non-black POC are, are more okay with it because they have other things that they... They're, they're able to call themselves other things. Like, they're able to identify with their their home country or their own ethnic group mm. in a way that black people can because they've had that identity taken away from them. But I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that is a really interesting point. Yeah. Well, Chris, what's your relationship with the term person of color as a I've, white person? I've used person of uh, people of color um, to to talk about black people. Really? Yeah, I like you bringing this to light is like made me think about it. Oh, interesting. In a, in a, in a different way. Um, what do you think kept you from saying black people? 
I'm never sure if like black people is one of the things I can say, mm. even though like it definitely describes an experience of a particular group of people in this country under the larger heading of racism. Yeah, a very um, distinct experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I would, and I, and I, I would, I would use the term sort of interchangeably, like between people or person of color and African American, in ways that like after this conversation I just won't anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think mostly when I've said people of color, I am thinking of black people specifically. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Because you probably think in that black-white binary that you are that you referred to earlier. Sure. So it yeah. just feels like fancy black people. Like yeah, it just feels, it just feels like the feels like nicer thing up. to say. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there, I mean, for either of you guys, do you, because I think maybe I feel this, do you think there's some kind of, there's a, there's a kind of hesitation toward, because the terms, the ways to address black people have evolved over the past, I mean, over the all of American history. Yeah. It feels like it's sped up though in like, in the last 10 to 20 years. I mean, like in the it's 90s, everybody. 10 to 20 years. You wouldn't say that, that. That's 2010. I would say in the uh, last 50 years. Well, right? definitely in the past 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. Right after, I would say like the 70s during the Black Power movement, mm-hmm. that's when you started seeing more changes. So mm-hmm. um, black folks probably started with being called the N-word only, and then Negro, and then colored, Afro-American, African-American, and I would say my generation of millennials feel most comfortable with black. Oh, that's interesting, because I mean in the 90s, I feel like the dominant term was African-American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those were what, probably Gen Xers? Yeah, Maybe, those yeah. my people. I mean, I think it is interesting, Chris, that you see the term person of color as kind of a, your your immediate association is, is a kind of, that's the updated term. Yeah. That's the latest iteration. Mm. Right, the, the, right. The, that's the thing newest, I should be the, saying. Yeah. In my, in my quest not to offend people I'm already friends with and, and like people who I don't know yet, mm-hmm. but I'm using people of color. And in some ways, leaving people out. Mm-hmm. Or like, including people I'm not actually talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think the difference between just like, I don't know, if we're if we're trying to be um, as inclusive, not inclusive, but like as less offensive as possible, right? Making sure that you say black people and humanizing black folks mm-hmm. is like, totally acceptable right but if it was just the blacks then that would be outrageous (laughs) Uh right yeah but if we're saying black Uh people that is the experience i i honestly like the term black people because i feel united with other folks experiences Mm -hmm. outside of america like i have a black american experience Mm -hmm. but there is a black there is a global black experience and that unites me with my brothers and sisters around the world. Yeah. When you say that, are you just talking about people of African heritage when you're when you're talking about blackness? Or are you talking about? Yeah. If you're black, you have African heritage somewhere. Yeah. Somebody might have took you somewhere else, but you have African right. heritage. And but like I feel blackness like... is really meant to express the particular experience of Africans globally. The African diaspora. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I was saying earlier, I think for 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 non for non black persons of color, I don't. I, my automatic assumption is not that my experience is the black experience because I think I'm aware because I'm not black and not white that there are other ways to be a racial minority in this country 
even though the black experience is the is really the the, the model that all other r- racial groups in a lot of ways have followed in organizing mm-hmm. and using the term person of color i feel includes me in that but i would never think of person of color as my primary identifier mm-hmm. it doesn't even make sense to me mm-hmm. like what's the culture of the persons of color it doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah it's just a way to acknowledge that the struggle isn't just between black people and white people oh, the struggle includes other other people including me mm-hmm. and i think that was definitely the original intention of the phrase person of color but then I think it just got kind of corrupted by, mm-hmm. no offense, Chris, but yeah. white people that wanted to say the right thing. I, this is really interesting to me because I never thought about that the perspective of white people trying to say the right thing <laughs> and thinking no, a person of color as being like, oh, well, every year it's a new term. And, yeah. you know, and in 2019, this is, the, this is the term we use and it's person of color. Like, I never thought about that being, and I, under, and I totally see why that would be kind of euphemistic and, and erasing. Right. It's the black identity. It's mm-hmm. soft. Um, it, it, it seems nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like on, on some level, like, it acknowledges something about skin. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like actually, like, very few people in the world are, are black. Yeah. As an actual tone. <laughs> I mean, and I think, it's nec- I think it's important, and maybe we should touch on this, the idea of addressing that race in America is not, is not the binary white and black. And I think, it, I mean, if you look at the experience of a lot of, you look at the experience of a lot of immigrants and minorities who come to this country, I'm thinking about Eddie Huang in Fresh Off the Boat. Yeah. But in the first episode, he says, like, he, so he did the voiceover for the first episode of that show. And in the voiceover, he says, he says something like, when I was growing up, uh, if you were an outsider, you listened to hip hop. Um, and I think that is the experience of a lot of uh, minorities, at least I'm speaking from an Asian perspective, who come to this country and don't identify with white people, and they're like, okay, in this country, you're either white or you're black. And mm-hmm. I'm not white, so I guess I'm black. Or there are Asians that go the other way, too. And they're yeah. like, well, I'm definitely not black. I don't want to end up like like black people. I'm yeah. definitely white. Look at how white I am. And they end up being able to occupy one of those spaces. Like one of those spaces. But there's no in-between. Right. I honestly feel that that's what really makes me have like a disdain for the, the term person of color mm. because I don't oftentimes feel united with non-black persons of color. I feel like the norm in America is to want to be white and a way to achieve whiteness is hating black people. Um, And the racism that I've experienced from non-black persons of color has been, um, yeah, some of the most violent. Mm -hmm. Not physically, but definitely emotionally and verbally. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I really need that separation. It wasn't until you said to me something to the effect of like, we all we both experience white supremacy. Well, first of all, you were like, "Who tried to tell you that person of color and black were the same thing?" And I was like, ah, "I don't know." Um, <laughs> and then you were like, "We both are subject to white supremacy, but the difference is that you're always viewed as a criminal on this land, and I'm always viewed as a foreigner." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, I never can. Cons- I almost feel like." Um, <laughs> 
I almost feel like an abused kid that gets mad at their sibling for not also getting abused, even though you really don't want them to get abused, but right. you're just like, how did you get out of that? Right. Sometimes I feel like that with like Asian people yeah. and Indian people, that they don't have it as bad with white people. Yeah. I, I Okay. I remember this, this was this was from a Twitter conversation. Mm -hmm. You were on Twitter and I was like <laughs> texting you or yeah, I was responding to your thing, me and Johnny Rashid. Um, yeah, so I'm going to reference a paper, a paper from the University of Washington. This is getting very NPR. A paper from the <laughs> University of Washington from 2017 called Two Axes of, two axes of Subordination, this a New Model. The disclaimer. <laughs> two Axes of Subordination, a New Model of Racial Position. Basically, what they posit is that the idea of looking at race as just superior and inferior with white people as superior and everyone else as inferior is, doesn't quite paint the whole picture. And another axis we want to add, if we see that as the x-axis, uh, what we might put on the y-axis might be foreignness. Mm. So, for instance, um, uh, Latinx people and black people are viewed as both inferior or criminal, and also, uh, but, but but black people are viewed as less foreign mm -hmm. and more American, yeah. mm -hmm. whereas Latinx people are viewed as 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 foreigners. Mm -hmm. In the same way, Asian Americans as as the model minority. Uh, are viewed as more foreign but less, less criminal, criminal or less inferior. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Let's um, acknowledge that you did quotation marks for model minority. Yes, yeah, I did <laughs> because uh, even that doesn't doesn't complete the whole picture because mm -hmm. the Asian community encompasses. But yeah, even, I mean, so even that way of looking at it is incomplete. Mm -hmm. Is there is there a way to get back to the Facebook poll? Um, because I'm curious about how your black friends talked about the the term people of color on that poll. I can't remember. I feel like everybody was just like, no, there was more content <laughs> on the non-black non. person but, of color. Okay. Poll. I mean, like, oh, I'm seeing it here. Okay. Yeah. There were 35 comments on your non-black POC. Maybe 10. And 10 on the other one. Yeah. Okay. But it was like a pretty, it was a pretty straightforward no. Yeah. Across the board. Most people just said no. Yeah. Most black people just said no. More non-black persons of color had caveats to their acceptance of that term. <laughs> I mean, I guess like part of my reason for bringing this up is I'm still like, I'm still making sure it's okay to say black. <laughs> yeah, I think if you like humanize the word, it's yeah. totally okay. If you say black people, that like, is a distinct with a experience. Young people and old people in there that both said no? <laughs> like, did your grandma say no? Did it is your... funny how all the non-black POC are are being like it depends on the context yeah and and then the black people are just like no no don't do it that's good to know Let me try but if i'm in a room there. with other non-black like me and andrew are people of color mm -hmm. if it was me and like i'm trying to think of somebody else one of my other friends devrin or candace or somebody yeah call us black don't dance around that. We're black. Right. And we come with the weight of blackness and the history of blackness. So uh, get it right. That's yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah, like, call it's, me black. It's, we're talking about a whole experience. Yeah. And a very distinct experience. Yeah. And a very like long-term experience. Black people have been suffering in this country for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. As people who were born here. Yeah. Yeah. And as people that were brought here. Yeah. Not by choice. Right? Acknowledge all of that and call me black. Yeah. When you call me a person of color, it feels very diluted. Yeah. I mean, I typically... The thing is, for me, I only encounter the term person of color when I'm in an organizing context. I, I only encounter the term person of color when I'm trying to build solidarity between different groups mm -hmm. and, try, and try to 
basically get people organized to do something. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even I don't even see why else when else you would use that term because mm-hmm. uh, it's not that useful as a descriptor unless you're trying to mobilize people to do something. Yeah, I feel like companies probably keep track of how many people of color they have employed. Or do you think they Interesting. separate it? Yeah, no, 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 no. That's definitely true. Like, yeah. as a way of like polling or like doing a, some demographic thing to make yourself huh. feel better about certain things. Absolutely. Doesn't I think your article touched on that? Yeah. yeah. That oftentimes it's like we only have one black person, probably a guy, mm-hmm. and then like as many Asian or Indian or other race um, people as possible. Mm-hmm. But it like to- but it's like we got people of color, but there's really not that. It's not really that diverse in right. yeah. the people of color. Dick. What was that article, Bethany? I don't know, but it will be before those polls. Okay. Because that was the first time that it hit me that non-black people of color the are term okay black with pe- it. Okay, okay. The term people of color erases black people, let's retire. That's the name of the article here. And who was it um, published by? Um, and it's on it's from the LA Times by Nadra Widatala. Any effort that sees the struggle of all minorities as a single movement is actually harmful. Yeah. Um, and there are things that can unite us. And I think we all need to be aware of each other's struggles, specifically uh, the situation that's happening at the border, right? Like that's affecting mm-hmm. mostly Latinx folks, but black people need to be going hard about that too sure so i think there are things that unite us and that yeah. we need to be mm-hmm. moved to action like you're talking about but i don't want to be erased yeah we have separate experiences yeah I, I hear you and again when i think about person of color i'm thinking about organizing my own community mm-hmm. and i'm thinking about how people like my parents came over and they didn't even see a connection between themselves and earlier generations of asians in this country who had suffered as laborers or who had who had fought for citizenship or who had been interned mm-hmm. like they didn't even see a, a, a connection between them and other asians much less them and other minority minority groups oh interesting you know so the idea of that ter- of a term that would be useful for me as a tool to try to rope in more people like my parents and be like no there is a commonality to your experience like you're struggling against you are struggling against whiteness mm-hmm. just like this other group is struggling against whiteness yeah to me Seems like a useful tool. Mm-hmm. Does it work? How do your parents? Uh, it's it's hard because immigrants have to learn about race when they get here. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't grow up with the understanding that they were Asian. They grew up just in their country, mm-hmm. and they come here. They came here, and they were like, "Oh, we're Taiwanese. We're not like those Chinese people." Which, like, someone just doesn't see it that way. You know what? I was thinking about this the other day. Black Panther. Yeah. T'Challa really annoyed me, and I and I'm, I was thinking about why, and I think it was like T'Challa is like my mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, because like, all right, cause so, so Killmonger is like, you, you like Killmonger is I forget what the quote is, but he's like, you were like you ignored the struggle of people who looked like us, you know? Yeah. And and Killmonger wasn't wrong. I know his execution was harsh. But he wasn't wrong. Yeah, but like T'Challa. But I'm thinking like I've, I'm pretty sure I've said that to my mom, and I know what like T'Challa's thinking. He's thinking the same thing my mom is thinking, which is mm-hmm. like, no, they look like us. What are you talking about? They're not us. They're not yeah. Wakandans. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So like, I, I had a weird moment where I like, where you see your mom, and where you see your parents in a movie, and you just don't <laughs> like them. Like I had that you with Black Panther. In a Marvel. Yeah, I saw my parents movie. in Black Panther. <laughs> That's such an interesting point, though. Mm -hmm. Like, it is so easy. 
I, I kind of feel like T'Challa to an extent with my understanding of, of how white supremacy affects persons of color. Mm-hmm. Because for a really long time, I was like, we need to focus on black people, right? Mm-hmm. If we can just get over racism, not get over, but work on racism for black people, it'll trickle down. And that's, re- that's not going to be the case. And we're seeing that that's not the case with the way things are being handled on the border right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was very, it was very selfish thinking. Interesting. And I think it's, I think it's true to an extent mm-hmm. because of the history of violence and racism towards black people. But I don't think it would ever be that, that simple. White supremacy isn't as simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with you to an extent. I'm also thinking about how the model for organizing kind of follows like black people had the Black Panthers and then the Chinese people came up with the Red Guard in Manhattan Chinatown in the 70s. I've um, never heard of the Red Guard. Can you tell me about it? It's a very obscure group that that followed organizing model of the Black Panthers for Asians hmm. in the 70s. That's uh, in, cool. In like they modeled it after the Black Panthers? Yeah. And they they wore they wore hats, they had demonstrations and uh, they tried to copy the same thing but for Asians. Wow. Um, Against what at the time was that communism? No, no, it was, this is in America. Oh, so it was in America? In Chinatown. Oh. Yeah, so they were advocating for Asians. Or like how, I mean, from the, from the, like, with the representation perspective, like, black people had all these sitcoms. So it's like, mm-hmm. like, how do, how do we get into that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have our own sitcoms, you know, and that'll get us into movies and there's more representation. Like, or, I mean, just look at just legislatively, this, like, the Civil Rights Act comes out mm-hmm. because of the black struggle. Mm-hmm. But all minority groups benefit from that. And then there's the 65 Immigration Act, like, around the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, maybe there is a little bit of a trickling down there. Yeah, that's, like, a good point. Yeah. Anything else we want to talk about? The the thing I've been thinking about in the course of this conversation, how native people fit into this, and like I, I wish that's a good point I, too. I wish like we could add that perspective in this conversation yeah. because like I wonder. I would definitely feel erased by person of color if like I was indigenous to this land because yeah. I would be like actually white people are the people of color. Mm-hmm. Like well, right. y'all are the different color that right. came like, here. You're the abnormies. Yeah, that's a um, really interesting perspective. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how to. I don't know how to fit that in. Of course, like I can't. I can't bring that. But like the the like in in all these conversations about like othering, there's a really deep history of that that white people brought, and it didn't start with black people. It started with the indigenous people here, and and like that's still true. Like Mm -hmm. next to next to black people in the prison system per capita, the most incarcerated group of people are actually are indigenous. Oh really? That's my understanding. Now okay. we should from probably from a per capita perspective. From a per capita perspective. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So like, there's there's a lot of. I mean, I guess it just like mm-hmm. expands the like people of color mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, even going off of that, look the the way to see white supremacy around the world is by looking at through that colonial lens. You won't see the white black dichotomy in like a lot of colonized Asian countries. Mm-hmm. But you will see white supremacy mm-hmm. and how white supremacy and colonialism affected the history of those countries. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Do we need to talk about Jesus at some point in this? Do we feel obliged? I don't. I don't want to do it out of obligation. But like, yeah. I mean, well, we can always bring it back to Jesus. I don't know. I always feel like 
there's a lot of language about our identity being in Christ. Mm -hmm. And like, I shouldn't focus on how you identify me and my experience in America as a black Mm -hmm. person. But that too feels like the same type of erasure as person of color. Yeah. Like just trying to make things easier. I think... Like, don't worry about racism. Your identity is in Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Christ's identity is black. Well, (laughs) that's what James Cone would say. mm -hmm. He was... I mean, James Cone is like, God is ontologically black. Yeah, totally. Uh, Because he identifies with the person that is suffering, right? Yes, and what we have to do is look at our context. really God's a black woman. Well, that's... that that, Yeah, women is theology. Yeah. Or queer. So really God is a black queer woman, right? We can take it that far. Jesus explicitly says, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. Mm -hmm. Which always feels kind of funky. Like, don't walk up to me as like a white missionary and be like, I need to do something for you. You're the least of these. We can like square up right there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and like, and if you want to talk about like Jesus and identity, you can also look at like interactions Jesus had with other groups of people. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. women and and like Samaritan women which Mm -hmm. were like a different class on Mm -hmm. top of like the lowest class Mm -hmm. women like he has interactions that speak to identity politics absolutely Mm -hmm. and I think what Jesus means by the least of these is the least that society has deemed yeah I mean he means him yeah (laughs) he's he's definitely included in that least which like keeps it from being hierarchical and pedagogical mm-hmm. and um, colonial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's speaking from the perspective of the least. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's transition to our last bit here, which is um, inspired by our friend Adesh. Adesh Dasani, you <laughs> get a shout out on this episode. <laughs> you now are internet famous, just like us. Which is um, what are you consuming? That's how he phrases it, right? Yeah. Or what's the best thing you've consumed? Yeah, that's how he says it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess in this past, we'll just go with the past week. That's what we normally do. Yeah, I can start us off. Yeah, do it. Um, I've been reading Damon Young's, well, I've been listening to because I'm not very good at sitting down and Mm -hmm. reading things. So I've been listening to Damon Young's What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker. And it's his autobiography and a series of essays. And it's really Mm. funny. And also he's from Pittsburgh. And my family is from Western PA. So a lot of the things and the nuance of Western PA that he references, like Monroeville Mall, I can really relate to, right? Um, So that's been, yeah, that's been something good to consume. Hmm. I might be a little late to the game in having seen this movie, but last week we screened um, If Beale Street Could Talk. Oh, yeah. um, Which is a a book I, I read via audiobook thanks to Bethany mm-hmm. it to me that way I want to keep talking about that movie as a piece of art mm-hmm. because it is so visually beautiful mm-hmm. well lit like the it's hard to like black people you don't always see black people in films lit in the, very well and it's, it's costumes, a distinct art like people look incredible yeah. like they did such a good job a and I like and like the the beauty of the film lends to the way you come to love these people who are like in this terrible mm-hmm. situation. So like it is worth talking about the beauty of the film to get to the love that it helps you to have for these for these people. Like mm-hmm. you see them as beautiful people, mm-hmm. um, which I mean like is half a credit to the filmmaker. But it may I mean like if you've ever read or listened to um, James Baldwin's story, like. It's really coming from from there. 
that was a good thing from this last week for me. Cool. Um, I've been reading a book called, it's a kind of an academic book uh, by a, a Leo Ching called Becoming Japanese, Colonial Taiwan and the Politics of Identity Formation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah. it's great because... Um, On audiobook now. It's, um, it's, about, so it's about the Japanese colonialism of Taiwan and it has, it has some really interesting ideas about how, about how people look at <laughs> the paradigm of colonization and see how your white Europe colonized the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But Japan, I mean, had this whole period where they copied that. Oh, interesting. And they wanted to make their own colonial empire because that's what that's what the advanced civilizations are doing. Let's do it too. And uh, in, in the book is kind of about, about how they kind of imposed that colonialism. I mean, on Korea and Taiwan, but this book is specifically hmm. about Taiwan, which is interesting to me. And I think it's... Uh, helping me understand my grandparents a little more mm-hmm. so that's cool all right maybe i'll give you my thoughts once i'm done all right cool so i think i think that's our first episode that well, is our thanks first for listening. episode yeah that was good yeah. yeah all right um thanks for tuning in we're gonna try to keep this interesting and talk about cool stuff i guess if there's ever a comment section go ahead and tell us what you want us to talk about um yeah you can email it us at circle mobilizing at gmail.com yeah we get a lot of emails at that email so we would love you from one person specifically so we'll try to uh, spice it up we'll be on the lookout for anything uh if we um, if, if there are any comments or questions or corrections, if we got anything wrong, yeah, definitely uh, let us know. Let us know. Yeah, so, for sure. Thank you. This was fun, guys. All yeah. Right. Cool. Awesome. Until next time. All right. I was nervous at first. <laughs> We're leaving that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>